let me just remind you that in Genesis chapter 41, Pharaoh had a dream. None of his, his uh, uh, co-workers, none of his wise men or his, his magicians could interpret it. And so Joseph comes in and interprets it. I want to mention a couple of things about that. Uh, if you look in verse 16 of chapter 41, it says, Joseph then answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So he uses God. He mentions God. He says, God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. If you look in verse 25, now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told Pharaoh what he is about to do. So again, he mentions God. If you look in verse 28, it is as I have spoken to Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. So that's the third time he mentions God. Look in verse 32. Now, as for the repeating of the dreams to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God and God will quickly bring it about. That is five times, five times he mentions God to Pharaoh. He mentions God. Remember, we have gone through whole chapters, whole chapters in, in, uh, in, in, in Genesis where God is never mentioned, never even referred to in any way. Here he outright mentions God, God, God five times to Pharaoh. This is a man who is utterly consumed with a relationship with God. He has been 13 years in the land of Egypt. He, part of that time he was a slave and, and, and he was kidnapped. Part of that time he was a slave. The other part of that time he was, he was in the prison. And for 13 years, he has not lost this sense of God with him. God is over all of this. God is the one who is in charge. And he mentions this to Pharaoh. He doesn't have this sense like, oh, Pharaoh's so up here. Who am I? I'm just a prisoner. Why should I be mentioning God? If you take God out of your life from all the people around you, you lose out tremendously. We lose out when we, when we don't mention the things of God and what's important to us. If you were to come to my desk in my office... If you were to come to my desk in my office, you would see um, uh, little verses on my desk, scripture verses on my desk. You would see scripture verses on my on on, on my wall. You'd see scripture verses on 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 uh, uh, my shelves around me. So I have a lot of scripture verses, and I'm 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 uh, uh, I want I want people to know that I'm a believer. If you if we don't let people know that we're believers. Very often they won't hold us accountable for our actions. Watchman Nee says that, that when people understand that we are believers, they hold us responsible for our actions, and that's good. That doesn't mean we never mess up. It just means we ask God's forgiveness when we do mess up. And, uh, and, and, and we ask people to forgive us. But this man was utterly consumed with God. He mentions God five times. Pharaoh, in this same chapter, had related his dream to his wise men, and to his, his magicians. Pharaoh never mentioned God. Pharaoh then, then describes his dream to, to Joseph. He never mentions God. When, when, uh, when Joseph gets done interpreting the dream, then we're going to pick it up as we mentioned last time. He gets done interpreting the dream in verse 32, and then he offers his advice. So let's pick it up reading there again. Now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise, 
and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Then let them gather all the food of all the good years that are coming and store up the grain for the food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it. Let the food become as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which will occur in the land of Egypt so that the land will not perish during the famine. Now let the proposal, now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. So it's interesting since we're on this topic of, of Joseph using the name of God five times in Pharaoh's presence. Five times. That's a lot. Pharaoh now starts, starts to, to, uh, to do something very similar. So what I want to do is I want to show you these verses in, uh, in, if you look in, in Genesis chapter 41, verse, thir- verse 38 and 39, I'm going to read this in the Young's literal translation. Uh, so you get a sense of what, what's literally the words that are there. In, in chapter 41, verse 38, And Pharaoh saith unto his servants, Do we find like this a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh saith unto Joseph, After God's causing thee to know all this, there is none intelligent and wise as thou. Pharaoh now uses God twice. He has been so impacted by this. He says, this guy really believes God. This guy uses the name of God. He uses now this God twice in two verses. He says, do we find a man in whom is is the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh saith unto Joseph, after God's causing thee to know all this, there's no, there's none intelligent and wise as thou. God has caused you to know all this. Remember, it was Joseph who said, I can't do this. God will. And now Pharaoh underscores this and says, God is the one who's done this. God is the one who's done it. I, and, and, uh, and I want you to look very carefully at what he says in verse 38. He says, Do, can we find a man like this in whom is a spirit of God like this? In whom is such a spirit of God? So he, he speaks to his servants and he describes to his servants, there's a characteristic about Joseph that's different. There is a spirit of God in this man. In this man is a spirit of God. And then Pharaoh saith unto Joseph, after God causing thee to know this. He says, God has caused you to know this. No, nobody could interpret my dream. God caused you to know all this. There is no one intelligent and wise as thou. To know all this. It wasn't just the dream interpretation. It was the proposal. It was the proposal on what to do. So you see in verse 37, it says, now the proposal, literally the word, my, my translation says the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. I mean, my life, the last 33 years of my life has been spent writing proposals. I write proposals for a living. That's what I do. I'm, we're, we submit, we submit proposals continuously. We were, we are always in the process of submitting proposals. 
we're always thinking about writing proposals and pulling information together to write proposals in my group. That's what we got to do. That's what you have to do when you're an academic. You're always writing proposals. Look what he says. Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. I'm like, wow. Lord, do that with my proposals. Make my proposals look good to the program managers. Make my proposals look good to the, to the uh, reviewers. I always take my proposals. Since the time I was an assistant professor, back when we used to run off you know, like 15 copies of them and submit them to the NSF before there was online submission, I would take the whole stack of proposals and I would bring them to the chapel on campus and I would fall on my knees and offer them to the Lord. I said, Lord, as I mail these in, I pray your blessing be upon these proposals. I pray that they would impact the reviewers. I pray that they would impact the program managers. And I brought God into my actions with my proposals. I did that. If you're so good that you can do this without God, good for you. Everything I do, I want just just blessed by the Word of God. Now we don't, I don't have, I'm not sending in physical copies of proposals. I'm sending in electronic copies. But in the same way, in the same way, what I'm doing is, uh, is I'm, I'm, I'm taking these and, and I, I'll go to the chapel on campus and I'll pray, Lord, as we submit these proposals, as I submit this proposal, let it be a blessing. Lord, let it be a blessing. Let it really impact. Let it connect. Bring in the right reviewers. Lord, please bring in the right reviewers. You know, if you get one bad reviewer on a proposal, that's it. There's so much competition if one person doesn't like your proposal. And I would say, Lord, let there be good reviewers on this. I would just commit this to God. God saturated everything that Joseph did. He was so saturated with God. God gave him the interpretation of the dream and God gave him every detail that he needed for his proposal. He said, let there be a man. Uh, find a man in verse 33. Let Pharaoh find a man who's discerning and wise. He's not building up something for himself. He's just a prisoner. He doesn't think he's going to get exalted here. Plus, he's a Hebrew coming into this. Um, uh, and, and so he says, he says, uh, um, uh, let God, let Pharaoh find a man. The man has to be discerning and wise and appoint him over the land of Egypt because Pharaoh, you're too busy. You got other things to worry about. You can't worry about food. Let this guy just worry about food. One thing, worry about food, accumulating the grain for seven years so that it can be doled out in the next seven years. We need, you need to appoint a person that is focused on this 24-7. Pharaoh, you're too busy for this. And that's, you, you know, you can just see his managerial skills. Then he says in verse 34, let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years. So put overseers over the land. So it's not just one man. He needs overseers under him that can be in each different region along the Nile and the Nile Delta that can be making sure because one man covering all of Egypt can't make sure that everybody's going to give their 20%. You think it's an easy job to walk up to people and say, uh, 20%, 20%, a new taxes of 20%. Now, no doubt they were getting abundantly from the land, but nobody gives up money easily. You needed overseers, you needed overseers, let appoint overseers in charge. Those overseers had to be from that region. They had to know the different farmers in that region. That's the only way they can know. 
if, if it's coming forth. It had to be local people. So you see what he's doing. You see the wisdom in this. It's like, it's, it's like there's the central government and then there's the governor of this, of, of, of Egypt. And then under this governor, there's many local people. Very much like you see the U.S. structured, where you have local government that, that you can appeal to any time because you really know them. They, their, their offices are here. And then there's, there's the governor over them, and then there's the federal government over them. You see this type of structure. Immediately, this guy starts setting up. This is an amazing proposal. How did he think of this on the fly? You, you know, remember, he was hurriedly brought out of prison. He had no time to figure this thing out, nor did he have time to figure it out because he didn't know the dream yet. Right after he finishes the dream interpretation, boom, God gives him wisdom to know what to do. You spend time with Jesus, they will really begin to know you. You will look different when you spend time with Jesus. Look in, uh, look in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4 verse 13, Acts chapter 4 verse 13. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. They were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. These men, these Peter and John, were, were not educated men. They understood that they were uneducated, they were untrained, they had never been to the, to the, uh, to the, the, the rabbinical schools. How did they start preaching like this? How did they start speaking about the Messiah like this? It says, when they saw them, they were amazed, and they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. When you spend time with Jesus, He elevates you. Jesus elevates you. Jesus elevates you in the eyes of Pharaoh. Jesus elevates you in the eyes of your bosses. Jesus elevates you in the eyes of the administration. When I was an assistant professor, God was elevating me in the eyes of the top administration, the, the president of the university. The president of the university doesn't know many assistant professors, especially in a big state school where I was. But God was elevating me. God was placing me, my name before him over and over again. God does this. God is the one that does this. I urge you, don't think that you can do your career on your own. I know that there's many young people on this call that are starting out their careers. Don't try to do this on your own. If you do, you're up against everybody else. You're competing with really good people out there. I would much rather be with Jesus. Be with Jesus and let Jesus elevate me. Let Jesus give me the wisdom for proposals that I need. Now you say, well, have you ever had proposals fail? Yeah, I have lots of proposals fail. And I can tell you that in my career, I just watched my career, my proposals that failed would have taken me into very mundane areas. They would have. They would have taken me into mundane areas. And uh, uh, But what happened was, God set it up so that the proposals that were just going to launch me, like a meteorite, those were the areas that He got funded. I'm a natural products chemist. I was supposed to be doing natural products. My NIH proposals kept failing one after another after another. Was it a lot of work? Yeah. But God had a plan. And I wrote a proposal on molecular electronics as a young assistant professor. What did I know about molecular electronics? I didn't even know anything about electronics. 
I wrote one proposal. I submitted it to the Navy. And I got the Office of Naval Research Young Investigator Award. They only give two per year. And I got one of those for molecular electronics. That set me up to be there for something that was going to come 10 years later. 10 years after that, there was going to be all this notoriety in the area of molecular electronics and in the area of nanotechnology. Nanotechnology. So when nanotechnology started birth and force, chemists were saying, what is that? People were saying, that's what that guy Jim Tour does. Boom! I was sitting right there, right in the face of, of, of the pinnacle of where everybody was looking. I was there. Because my NIH proposals failed... And he redirected me. My failures have redirected me to a much better path. Was it frustrating to get the declination letters? Sure. But as I look back, God was preparing me for something so much greater. Or else I'd be just another natural products chemist making one milligram of a final material and I'd stick it in a freezer and publish a paper and nobody cares. Nobody cares. And that field of just making molecules and publishing a paper has just died. It has just died. It's very hard to get funding for that. It's not that it's not a good field. It's just that God knew where the money would be. God knew where the impact would be. Because He sees in the darkness. He sees all of this. And God elevates us. Do you see? God put Joseph right in the right place, right at the right time, and gave him the proposal that he needed, all the different details. I mean, he just, boom, he has all the details to get this proposal approved. He says, let them gather, uh, in verse 35, let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain for food in cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it. So you see, in the exact cities where you get it from, he says, store it in the nearest city and set guards over it. You need guards over this thing because there's going to be people trying to steal it. Set guards over it. You know what I mean? Right to every detail. And he says, let the food become a reserve for the land for the seven years so that the land will not perish during the famine. He says, the land's going to perish without this. And the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh. And so you see that God is all over this thing. God is all over what's happening here. Do you see that God elevates? God is the one who lifts up. God is the one who does all of this. God is the one who just takes people and he elevates them. I want you to look, I want you to look at, uh, um, this verse in, in, uh, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 8. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 8. This is the mother of Samuel as she's praying. And as she gives birth to this child, Samuel, which she's going to be committing to the Lord, it says, He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and He sets the world on them. God is in control of everything. And look what this God does who sets the earth on its pillars. He takes the poor from the dust. He takes the needy from the ash heap. And he makes them sit with nobles. I am telling you, this is a testimony of my life and my career. This is a testimony of my career. Someone who was not supposed to have all of this blessing dumped on them, to have all of this impact. I am telling you, this is my career. This is what God has done. He takes the poor from the dust. And he lifts the needy from the ash heap. 
And He makes us sit with nobles. He makes us sit with nobles. Again and again, I'm called to be with the highest ranks with the administration, to come and talk to me, to ask me my opinion on things. I mean, who am I? Who am I? That God has done this over and over again. That God does this. Do you see? God has a plan. This is exactly what His plan is. He has a very similar verse to that. If you look in Psalm 113, if that wasn't enough in 1 Samuel, look in Psalm 113, verse 7. Psalm 113, verse 7 and 8. Exactly the same thing that 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 uh, uh, Samuel's mother had prayed is written in Psalm 113, verse 7 and 8. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of His people. God says... If it wasn't enough for me to say it through the prayer of Samuel's mother in 1 Samuel, here it is again in the book of Psalms. Psalm 113, verse 7 and 8. He raises the poor from the dust and He lifts the needy from the ash heap. Do you see that it is God who raises us up? It is God who makes a career. It is God who gives us success. It is God who does this. We permeate with God, 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 over and over and over again. This is just saturating the life of, 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 uh, of Joseph. And then Joseph is the one who understands this. Pharaoh even sees, he says, the wisdom that you have couldn't just be the wisdom of a man. You're able to interpret dreams. You're able to, to, uh, to have all of this wisdom to come with these amazing proposals. I mean, this is really, this is, this could only be God. Even Pharaoh who never used the name of God for us, the, 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 the word God for us. He is the one who's using this word God. And so now I want you to look in verse 40. Verse 40. You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Wow, look what he says. He says, You shall be over my house. You shall be over my house. Joseph, because of his faithfulness, was over his father's house. He was the one that got the birthright when Reuben fell. He was the one that was given the multicolored tunic. He was the one that Jacob sent to, to, uh, uh, that, that Jacob had sent to his brothers and said, check up on them. He was the one with oversight. At the age of 17, he was the one who was given oversight. Could a 17-year-old be given oversight of such a big operation? I'll tell you, when I was 15, I had just turned 15, I was made the night manager of two gas stations on the highway, one on each side of the highway, uh, going into and out of New York City. Why would they make me the night manager, the 3 to 11 shift manager? Well, because the boss didn't trust anybody else. Everybody else had a, everybody else who worked there had a, had a prison record. I mean, I was the only one he could trust. And I was 15 years old and I was made the night manager. And there were guys that were in their 40s and their 50s. I was 15. I was formally over them because I was the manager. I was the one who took, you know, the wads of cash from them and, you know, because there was a lot less credit card use in those days and, and would, would count out the money and do the drops into the safe and, and count out all the things. I was the one who had to make sure it was locked up at the age of 15. You can trust young people. I mean, things, trust can be put in, in young people. Joseph was 17. He was entrusted with running his father's house. 
Then he goes, he's kidnapped. He is the one, he's been, he's put over Potiphar's house. He's put over Potiphar's house. And after Potiphar's house, he's put over the jailhouse. Over the jailhouse. He's in charge of the jailhouse. And now he's put over Pharaoh's house. Again and again, God does the exaltation. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? Please, I beg you, do not sell your life short. Do not think that everything depends on you. You, 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 you got to do everything. No, no, it does not all depend on you. It depends on relationship with God. They recognize them as having been with Jesus. If you would wake up daily and spend time with Jesus, spend time at his feet, people will recognize there's something different about you. They can't put their finger on it. How can this person be so creative across so many different disciplines? How can Joseph be like this? I mean, this is my career. What do I know about molecular electronics? Boom, we birthed this field. And then, and then, you know, all these materials. I'm not a material scientist. I'm a natural products chemist. You know, we worked with C60 and published these methods to make C60 on gram scales, which just blew open the area. And then in carbon nanotubes, among the first in functionalization of carbon nanotubes. And then all these amazing things on graphene. What do I know about graphene? I mean, boom, God just brings the students into my group. This is all God. I am just testifying over and over again. This is God. And people say, oh, well, you must have been very smart. No, I never was. I was just an average Joe. Average. That was me. That was my life. And I was struggling in freshman chemistry. I was struggling because I was put in the honors class. And November 7th of my freshman year, I received the Lord and I started to pray over my work. And God really blessed me and I ended up with a B plus at the end of that semester in honors chemistry, which was, to me, a miracle. And then I ended up number one in my class across all chemistry majors in that, in that university. Number one among all the chemistry majors. And I took all the organic chemistry graduate courses that they taught, I took as an undergraduate and I was on the top of every one of those classes too, even though I was an undergraduate in the graduate classes. Explain that to me without God. God is the one who does that. Don't you see? You be with Jesus. Don't sell your career short thinking that you do this all by yourself. You have to learn to commit this to Jesus. Commit your proposals to Jesus. As I sit down to write a proposal, I say, Lord, give me the hands of a scribe to write this proposal in a way to be able to think and give a logical argument in a way that's really going to to bring these things in and connect with the reviewers. Lord, do this in my life. Do this in my life. And don't you see, God is the one who does this. And Joseph doesn't leave Pharaoh without an answer. He doesn't leave him and just say, oh, well, you're all going to die of famine. You're all going to die. You know, you, you kind of deserve it. You kind of deserve it. Uh, um, uh, you, you, you kind of deserve it to, to, um, to, because of, of putting me in jail. No. He says, I'll give you a way out. I'll give you a way out. Here's the way out. We have a message for the lost. The message for the lost is this. The message for the lost is there is life in Jesus Christ. There is salvation in Him. If you do not know Jesus, I urge you this very day, cry out, say, Lord, come into my life. Lord, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. This is what he has for you. This is the gospel message. We don't leave you with the dangers here. We give you this word of hope. This is what he gives them. And he brings them up. He brings them up in the, in, he says, you're going to be over my whole house. I want you over my house. 
You're the amazing one. You got all of this. It is clear. God is the one who's leading you in this. I have over and over again been asked to be in administration and all sorts of things. I've always turned it down because I wanted so much to be, I wanted so much to, to be in, in, uh, uh, doing my research. And it's very hard to be in big administrative roles and do research and do both well. And so, so I've, I've always stuck along the research track because that's where my heart is. I love my teaching. I love my research. And God has continued to bless. Over and over again, God has continued to bless. I don't know what the track He has you on. I don't know what it is, but I tell you this. As you start out your career, learn how to commit this thing to Jesus. Commit it to Jesus. Wake up daily. Spend time in His Word because there's promises over and over again. Psalm 1. Uh, 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 Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, Psalm 112, verse 1 and 2, Psalm 119, verse 97 through 100. Each one of these, each one of these talks about the blessing that comes if you make the Word of God your meditation. I am a living example of this. I have gotten so much more than I ever deserve, so much more than I ever deserve because of God. I ask you, Give your life to Jesus. Jesus is the very best. If you would learn how to spend time with the Son of God, you will be so greatly blessed. Don't try to fight this on your own. You are There is stiff competition in this world. Uh, maybe you're one of those really smart ones that's going to excel anyway. Good for you. I'm not that. God has done this in my life. The testimony is what, that God has done this in my life. The passages from Psalms were Psalm chapter 1 and Psalm 119, verse 97 through 100. Those were the portions from Psalms that, that talk about the need for the Word of God and what God will do if we will just, but just meditate on the Word of God. You spend time with the Lord. You will be like His disciples. Where, where, where just the time with the Lord, the time with the Lord, people saw them differently. They saw them differently. Joseph clearly clearly knew God and Pharaoh said there's something different about this person something different and then Pharaoh himself started saying it's God there's God in you God's given you this wisdom there's just such a testimony I am just a living testimony of what God can do is do there are there people who mock you sure there's people who mock you look I've never been put in a prison like Joseph I've never been put in a slave. I've never had my feet in stocks like it says of Joseph in the book of Psalms that his feet were, 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 were abused, abused in stocks. That's never happened to me. I've never even reached to the biblical proportions of persecution. People say, oh, you've been persecuted because you've been excluded from this or that or the other thing. That's not biblical level persecution. It says in the book of Hebrews, it says, you have not yet suffered to the point of shedding blood. I've never shed blood for the cause of the gospel. Lots of our brethren are around the world. I never have. So I've never even reached biblical proportions of persecution. The only persecution I've had is kindergarten level persecution. That's all I've ever had. Never been real school persecution. We dedicate our lives to the Lord. And that is where there is life. And if you do not know the Lord, I urge you this day, come to know Jesus. I urge you this day, come to know Him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. Your word is so true. Let us learn from the life of Joseph to have God saturating our lives, to have the Lord Jesus Christ saturating our lives. 
so that people would see in us something that's beyond just intellect, that they would say what they must have been with Jesus, that they would be amazed, like those leaders were amazed at Peter and John. Father, I pray that you would do that work in our lives and for the young people that are starting out their careers now. Lord, I pray that they would not squander their careers thinking that they have to do this all on their own. But Father, that they would learn to spend time daily with Jesus. Spend time in your word. That they would not be so hurried to get to work that they have to do this thinking that that's what's going to advance them. But Lord, that they would work hard but know that it's Jesus, the time with Jesus that's going to separate them. The time with Jesus, the time in your word. Oh, Father, I pray that they would dedicate their lives even this day to spend time in your word and to trust you and to believe your word. And Father, for those here who do not know you, I pray, Lord, that they'd open up their hearts this very day to know Jesus. That this very day they would know Jesus. And Lord, I commit that to you. Oh Lord, I commit that to you. For the glory of Jesus and in his name. Amen. And I ask you, if you, if you, have, if you don't know the Lord, if you've given your life to the Lord right now, or if you're still wondering, I, I ask you, send me an email to tour at rice.edu and we will get together on a private Zoom call and let me go over this with you. Let me go over this with you a little bit more, okay? And then we'll do that.